Join me, Christine Weinbrenner Eirich, for soulful conversations with my community of travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. We might all agree that we are missing travel right now. These conversations highlight what tourism really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. In each episode, you'll hear the story of industry professionals and seasoned travelers who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. This is the soul of travel. Christina Beckman is the co-founder of Tomorrow's Air. Tomorrow's Air is the world's first collective of passionate travelers who clean up carbon from the atmosphere to ensure clean air for future generations. She is also the Vice President of Global Strategy at the Adventure Travel Trade Association and a board member of Klima International. Christina is a frequent speaker and writer at sustainable tourism conferences around the world, with numerous works published in the travel trade and popular press. In our conversation, she and I discuss the origins of Tomorrow's Air and her vision for what they hope to achieve in the future. We talk about the terms carbon removal versus carbon offsetting, as well as why this type of action is so important right now. She also helps us to understand where carbon emissions come from, not just our flights, but also in-country travel and even the food we eat. We also speak about the unique space of adventure travel and how this segment is poised to support climate action and carbon capture initiatives. This will continue to build on sustainable travel components already a part of many of these responsible travel businesses and organizations. This was a special Earth Day 2021 live interview that I am happy to be sharing with you today. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Christina Beckman. Welcome to Soul of Travel um, and happy Earth Day. I am so excited to be joined by Christina Beckman today from Tomorrow's Air and Venture Travel Trade Association to have this conversation that I think is so important uh, today in general, but this year and this period of time specifically. And um, Christina, before we get going in our conversation, I'm just going to toss it over to you to introduce yourself, uh, give us a little bit of who you are and what you do, and then we will go forward from there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Christine. I'm delighted to be here. Um, So my name is Christina Beckman. I'm the co-founder of Tomorrow's Air, which is a collective for carbon removal with permanent storage. And... Uh, I'm also the Vice President for Global Strategy at the Adventure Travel Trade Association. I'm speaking today from Santa Fe, New Mexico. Um, my background, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, and my journey to sustainable travel really started for me in a, one of my, my first epiphany in nature was a trip down the Colorado River um, in the Grand Canyon. And then, you know, after 20 years working in adventure travel and sustainable tourism, I had another um, grand epiphany in nature, which was in Antarctica, which caused me to recognize um, all this time we've been developing tourism for for the benefit of communities and conservation, especially in the the adventure travel category. Um, But we had not been, we had not been focused enough, I don't think, on climate and on the ways in which travel can be a lever in advancing climate action goals. And so that that trip in Antarctica, we can talk about it a little bit more, but that really galvanized galvanized what what has become tomorrow's air, trying to orient and congregate travelers to understand the importance of carbon removal and to support it. Yeah, 
thank you so much for for sharing. Um, as I was preparing for this conversation today, and I was trying to remember uh, where our paths first intersected, and when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, I saw, um, and I think you say it, Zola Consulting. Um, I think you were just launching that, and that was when I was in graduate school, and I was actually volunteering for Adventure Travel Trade Association, and then I also worked for, uh, was volunteering for U.S. Tour Operators Association, and working at another travel conference. So I was kind of everywhere in that moment of time. And I also felt like you were everywhere in that moment in time. And it was so fun um, for me um, watching your journey. And I just was so inspired by the way you kept showing up in travel. And, and really, it was one of those moments for me when I started seeing how travel does intersect with all of these um, sustainability issues and social impact and really understanding um, the layers that can get added to make travel more valuable. And that is kind of where Soul of Travel came from for me was when travel was taken away from me and from us all um, as the pandemic started. Um, I, I really started thinking about all these incredible people who inspire me in the space of travel and how travel aside, the work that we do in the world and the way we connect to the world is so important. And I knew that the people in the industry who had come at tourism from that space were going to continue to be advocates for these other parts of their businesses. And that's what I wanted to share in Soul of Travel. And so I, I love that um, this moment has really allowed for you to step fully into tomorrow's air. And that as, as a global community, we're seeing the importance of that. And I kind of wanted to start with, there's been this moment, I feel, during this pandemic where um, travel has kind of gotten a bit of a bad rap <laughs> when we're looking at carbon emissions. Um, and I think maybe just being more aware, having more time to reflect, seeing, um, seeing how things maybe have been reduced in the absence of travel, what is shifted. Um, and then we're also really seeing the benefits that travel has when we look at the loss of tourism dollars, conservation efforts linked to travel. And so then trying to find that balance where travel is more for good and having a positive impact. And I think that's where Tomorrow's Air is really poised to be a part of that, finding that balance. Um, and so I just wanted to give you space to talk about um, like how you've been navigating that, where that, that concern about um, emissions related to travel, especially air travel, um, but I know that extends beyond that as well. You're exactly right. The pandemic has caused a lot of people to sort of sit back and go, oh, look at, and, and I think, the statistic was overall like emissions were down 7% because we're not traveling or yeah, because everything is halted, right? Commuting and all this stuff. The, the thing to capture in that is what you recognize is how much of the emissions are coming from industry, from, from just so the embedded infrastructure of our lives. And so travel certainly contributes. We look, we refer to a study all the time that says um, travel is 8% of global emissions when you take an end to end view. So not just the flights, which get everybody's attention. I think the flights are like two and a half percent. But if you consider the shopping, the lodging, the meals, everything. When I heard that statistic before the pandemic, I was like, oh, all this time I've been supporting sustainable travel and, and recognizing all the good we bring to local communities, local livelihoods. And as you mentioned, like the money that supports conservation. And I knew that carbon emissions, I mean, obviously you know that, but I, I just didn't like, it wasn't sticking for me how, um, how significant we were and how, and the fact that all the good we're doing at sort of the ground level is completely sort of trumped by the emissions. Like if we don't handle this macro level massive problem, it doesn't really matter 
all the good that we do on these little problems. So that um, was very much on my mind pre-pandemic. This, and we even had like presentations that were, I think I even wrote an article. It was like, how do we reconcile travels benefits with this big, big unavoidable problem? We have to, I think um, one of the things that I love about you, Christine also is this sense of like being authentic and like get, you know, people you have like your guests, it's all like, how are we authentically showing up in our lives, in the places we visit? And this like at the, at the industry level was part of our discussion too, was like, we can't be authentic at the Adventure Travel Trade Association, whereas we're leading climate action. I can't go to bed at night and think that I'm really um, aligned if, if we don't have a strong climate action message. And so from the ATTA side, we have a carbon offsetting program that supports nature-based solutions. It's a bulk purchase um, in partnership with South Pole. And then this, you know, tomorrow's air, which is recognition that we need to do more. We need to scale up some technologies that can support our nature-based solutions. That, you know, we were on that um, path to launch tomorrow's air pre-pandemic. It's sort of you know, started, we built our relationship with Climeworks, who is the direct air capture carbon removal supplier. We have one supplier right now, we'll add others in time. Um, but that relationship started forming in 2019. And then when the pandemic happened, it was like, then it was sort of like, well, nobody's going to be interested in handling travel emissions if nobody's traveling. But it actually has become the perfect opening because what you see is people in a reflective sort of moment and with space and the interest in hearing about new solutions and new approaches. And so, um, so I'm sort of rambling around your question, but that is, that's how we're, we've taken it is like climate. We didn't, we didn't pause on launching tomorrow's air because of the pandemic. It was like, we need, the climate is not taking a break because we're having a pandemic. We're still warming, even though uh, yeah, that was it. So even though we haven't been traveling as much, we still have um, carbon dioxide parts per million concentration in our atmosphere is very, very high. And so it continues to be very urgent that we reduce and that we figure out how how to clean up faster. Our, our natural systems absorb and store carbon and we need to support that with things that can help us go faster. Um, one thing that you mentioned, and this is something I think might be really important for listeners to understand, is um, carbon removal versus carbon offsetting and what the difference is between the two and why, um, why this push for carbon removal is important. Carbon offsetting is a term that people, uh, removals are a form of offset in the very technical um, in the proper way of framing it, the, the way that the popular um, culture has understood offsets is things like avoiding emissions or supporting natural solutions, conservation of forested areas. Removals have a, a category within removals called negative emissions technologies or carbon removal technology. This has come to be in the sort of popular press is like removals in contrast to offsets. Really all removals are a form of offset. We're talking about carbon removal technology for the, you know, the purpose of, um, and we struggle with this a little bit because there has been, there have been bad actors in the offsetting space. And so we want very much to differentiate from carbon removal technology, especially what we're offering right now through direct air capture is measurable at every step of the path because it's a, a mechanical process. You can measure how much carbon is pulled from the atmosphere. You can measure how much is captured. You can measure how much is stored. You can measure precisely how it turns to stone underground. And so, um, so in the, the language has, and you can see this, you know, the language you see offsets in contrast to removals. Technically, um, removals are a form of offset. I like the word removal um, because it gives you that differentiation. And, and we also 
um, use the word technology, carbon removal technology, negative emissions technology. I, I just feel like a lot of times, and we were talking a little bit before we hopped on, is that some of the barriers to action are not understanding. And, and, and like you said, carbon offsetting has um, had some players that uh, made people feel like this is maybe uh, a devious language, or it also kind of gets lumped in with, um, you know, greening of travel or, you know, that the eco trends and things like that, where people, um, you know, easily clicked and said, I'm offsetting my flight and where we didn't necessarily know what that meant. And while some people were doing that really admirably, some people were not. And so when you're creating a movement like this, you are up against something like that, that has already been laid underneath it. And then you're coming up against discomfort of people not understanding this technology, which I mean, to be honest, I have no idea. And I've looked at lots of the graphics and I think it's so cool. It's hard to understand. Um, so you have to walk people through that discomfort. Um, and, and then people feeling like, well, is this enough? And instead of just doing uh, and I'm not sure how to frame this the right way, a little bit, we do nothing because we don't feel like it's enough. Do you, do you know where I'm at with all of that? Like mm -hmm. there's just so many barriers. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, this is, there's so many. And so it's like, why would you want to do this? I, yeah, exactly. Um, the, there have been bad actors and people are so uh, worried about greenwashing and suspicious of like, is this really, I also see there's so much of this in the press, like trying to catch people out. And I think, um, I, you know, what I would like, I had another really interesting conversation with a reporter and she was like, well, it is, it is important for reporters to uncover things that are not true you know, and I, but I think when it comes to sustainability and sustainable actions, I think we should not um, tear people down for small actions because small steps build confidence, get, you know, encourage learning, small steps help you get to bigger steps. And the way to avoid kind of greenwashing is to, I think, as a business or as an individual is to not um, be bombastic about your impact, right? I think that's where brands get into trouble is when they are overplaying on the impact side. And so um, this is, anyway, that's my general feeling on like greenwashing and how to navigate that. It, it, there is certainly a, from the Tomorrow's Air side, what we are trying to do is present the positive, hopeful future. And, um, and, and see that we can all run towards this together. So um, carbon removal technologies have been underinvested and underadopted because people don't understand them. And because there has also been, um, and I think still persists in some places, a either or kind of thinking around, well, why wouldn't you just do this fill in the blank thing instead? And really the, all, the, all the science acknowledges that what we need to do now is all the things. We need to dramatically reduce our emissions. We need to conserve mature forests. We need to do all the nature-based solutions, regenerative agriculture, marine ocean conservation, all these natural systems that absorb carbon are very, very important. And we also have a category of technologies that can help us we need to invest in those and support those and scale those up so that they can be also part of this end game. Um, and that kind of, those are some um, messaging hurdles that we are definitely navigating. And, and, the, and so, yeah, everything that you mentioned um, could be reasons to like not embark on this effort, but this is, an existential crisis and an opportunity for every person to find their pathway in. 
And I um, was talking with another um, friend of mine who has a background in clean tech and has been working in renewable energy for many years. And I, I was sharing with him that I felt, you know, sort of underqualified to be doing this kind of thing. And yet it's so important that we have to do it. So I'm learning all I can. So I'm joining air miners and reading stacks of articles and trying. And this is exactly what, what everybody needs to find their path from, from whatever perspective you're coming from. You know, I had this great um, epiphany in Antarctica and up until then it had always been sort of like what role what's my role? I don't know. I can write reports about things, but then, but then to see, I suddenly was like, oh, but I, I sit at the Adventure Travel Trade Association, which has a voice, which communicates with travel companies and travelers. We could, you know, travel could be a force for good, actually, in a moment when people are, are maybe feeling um, guilty or like, ashamed about travel, let's make travel instead of being on the defense, let's put travel to be the leader in taking action, in building a community that's doing something tangible, that's helping scale up a solution we need in the future. And um, yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's what we're trying to do. All those hurdles you mentioned are totally there. And when we, I mean, I, I love the professional family at the Adventure Travel Trade Association because, because that team, you know, listened to sort of this and was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Ooh, this is a big, this is a big thing we're thinking of here. And, and I feel like the sustainable travel community, the adventure travel um, audience is like the perfect place to launch something like this because we are the no mountain too high kind of people. If you look at who makes up the adventure travel community, this, you know, my epiphany in nature story like that, the epiphany in nature story is thick on the ground when you hang out in adventure travel circles, people who left banking, people who left whatever career, I left management consulting, who had some awakening and then were like, I'm going to live within my passion I think this, um, the emotional core of this is very familiar to our corner of the travel sector. And, and, you know, let's put our money where our mouth is. We can help educate and popularize and we can remove some carbon along the way. That's what Tomorrow's Air enables you to do is help spread the word and educate and inspire and, and do also remove some carbon dioxide and permanently store it while you're doing that. So it's not just, um, it's not just talk, it's also tangible action. I love that you brought, um, brought into the conversation because as you were speaking about these hurdles and navigating these things, and it really landed on me that I'm like, oh, this is the perfect group of people to do this because we are already kind of in this mindset of like exploring the unknown hurdles, uh, challenges, navigating people through discomfort, um, and then also have this deep sense of connection to the world in a way that a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to have because of the way we've experienced it. And again, like you said, like we've had these moments sitting in the vastness of the world that a lot of people don't get to have. And therefore we see we see like the, the grand scale of the world and our place in it and like both how insignificant and significant that we are. And it like, once you understand that, uh, you can kind of act on something like this. It, it, it really does go hand in hand, which is, um, it just, as you were speaking, really dawned on me, like not only does do people in this space of travel feel like we already have an ethical responsibility to address this? We also have this inborn, like this born in skill set that allows us to be able to tackle the a challenge DNA. like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is um that that is exactly, exactly it is the and I have found also within the carbon removal community that I have, you know, gotten to know 
Um, and I encourage everybody to check out Air Miners. There's a conference on May 5th. Within the, within the carbon removal community, there are people like, you know, uh, kite surfers and rock climbers. And there's, there really is a connection between this, um, the exploratory type personality in nature that, that has the love and the appreciation for what we have here in this garden planet. And also a sense of like, hmm, maybe that could Good work. Let's try that. You know, I feel like climbers, especially mountain climbers, are kind of like, well, I saw this massive peak. I decided I wanted to climb it. Here's how I tackled it bit by bit. I visited that peak every year, you know, for two years, three years, five years. I built up to my summit attempt. I think this kind of incremental mentality and fearlessness around big things um, is, it, yeah, this community is perfect for that. And we're also challenged by that because while we have the right passion and the right DNA and the right vision, we are typically very underfunded. And so the opportunity now is for us to engage a broader, you know, so you notice tomorrow's air is not called adventure travel carbon removal because we want to involve all of travel. And so we're starting you know, we're nested in this community now that's helping us build the momentum and get the word out. Um, and ultimately we're hoping for, you know, a broad, I'd like to see carbon removal built into, it needs to be built into the infrastructure of travel so that, you know, we're in kind of a training wheels phase where we're educating and asking people to make a choice. And as we build demand and as it becomes more common, I think it'll just get baked in. And so I, I think this is also part of like the, the future of travel is not one in which you feel guilty about your trip or have to calorie count. Um, although that is a reasonable thing for us where we are at our stage of evolution right now is what are the emissions associated with this? Like, let's unfold this and make this visible because it's been hidden from us and we need to understand that. Eventually, you know, we'll get to a place where you're not um, being confronted with this negative aspect of, of every move that you make. But that's the, you know, that's the future vision. You have to start, you have to start where you are. I'm really interested to see how sort of the um, emissions labeling um, efforts progress. And it, it does remind me a lot of like, you know, the early days with nutrition labeling on food. And when they started showing you like saturated fats versus other, you know, it's like, Oh, I had no idea. Um, so you have to, we're definitely um, moving through the phases. We're just gonna have to move through them quickly. Yeah. Right. Cause there's not time to, um, like we had to get people through their growing pains really, really fast. Uh, I was, I was really thinking about the, the moment when I, the first time I went to New York after, you know, all of the menus had all of that information on it. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, gosh, how amazing would it be when you're booking your flight? That's like, this option is this many emissions and this option is this many emissions. And here's how you can do, you know, you know, pay additional for carbon capture. And that actually takes it to this. And, like that really gives me as a consumer control awareness and control over what I'm, what I'm doing and the actions I'm taking and like putting those hand in hand, I think is really valuable. It, 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 it isn't as helpful to know that it's there without giving me a way to feel like I can do something about it. I almost just want to like close my eyes and not see that menu anymore <laughs> if I don't also know what action to take with it. And so I love that this provides that, that structure and that, um, that action. And, and we were talking too about kind of fragmented action and getting more consistent and um, the way that you were saying, you know, tomorrow's era is kind of in this pocket right now. Uh, how do we keep bringing more people into the conversation and become unified so that we are not all players taking little steps in the same direction that we are coming together and solving this as 
a, a large vast industry and that doesn't just mean tour operators and it doesn't just mean airlines and it doesn't just mean cruise you know companies like we all have to be doing it together um and then what does that look like and then once it moves outside of the travel industry i mean there's like you said when you look at tourism as an industry it's really unique and that it actually includes so many other industries to make it function and when you look at and this is something i wanted to talk to you about because i think it's important in understanding where carbon emissions come from that it's like you said not just our flights our in-country travel it's the food we eat it's all of these pieces like you said the kind of end-to-end travel which then brings in all of these other industries into this conversation and I just wonder what that has, have you even thought about what that looks like, feels like? Well, um, yes. And so I also wanna, um, so there's the, there's the emissions associated with this particular trip, right? There's also the legacy emissions that are stored and these trillions of tons of excess CO2 that needs to be dealt with. And so this is, one of the easy um, components of tomorrow's air is it's it's a flat fee in a way. It's just it's not we're not calculating the emissions associated with your trip and removing some percentage of those right now. We're saying chip in on this massive effort at ten dollars or twenty eight dollars or seventy five dollars a month, um, and that is aggregating so bringing everybody together on the same effort. I think, you know, what we've had is um, people supporting different projects here and there. On, on climate, we need consolidated massive action. And so the, the idea here is we can get everybody in travel. We can get the companies, we can get the travelers. We can all be driving towards supporting the scale up of technology. Those individuals can also be supporting conservation and can be supporting other, uh, many other great projects. And we certainly hope they do. Tomorrow's Air is creating a vehicle for, consolid- for, for consolidating around removal technology with permanent storage. So that, um, I think that's really, it's hard. Like I've been studying, um, collective action and movements and like how those things build and the emotional connection that has to be there. I think, you know, the, um, the technology is a piece of it, but a lot of people don't, they just want to know that they can trust us and be part of something good. And so in some cases, the technology and the education, I know that we have to be like, we have to balance that because too much information just like tires people out. Um, so it it's a it's a really interesting experiment. I also think the world is kind of ready for this. You know, like coming out of the pandemic has given us a a feeling of what it means to be in something together. <laughs> you know, not necessarily a good thing, but but a feeling of we are all in something together, um, that is a, I think we can really build on that feeling and, and recognize that we can move. Humanity can do so much. I mean, there's, I think there's also a, a, uh, an overtone that has happened in, that has had to happen in climate because we've had to make the case that humans caused this. Humans were part of driving this. That has been a big, in order to, you know, get the policy support that we needed, it was like, you have to show that this is human caused. But that has created this sense of, of feeling, you know, everything I do is bad. <laughs> I, I, like my existence is terrible for this world that I love. And this is something that um, I would love to just counteract because humans aren't aren't bad. We're endlessly imaginative. We have incredible potential. We can come together. 
And if we um, focus on the instances in which we do come together and show how we can come together, that's, um, I think, the grand opportunity. As humans, we kind of have to, like you were saying, we have to acknowledge our fault in this. And that part of the battle is walking through, um, like admitting our fault in this. It's maybe that's part of people's resistance to wanting to jump on board is it's, it's really hard, you know, in anything, not in just in climate, but like when you realize you have to take responsibility for your actions or collective actions, um, it just makes people uncomfortable. And if you don't, if you don't have to acknowledge that, you can just kind of look away from it. And so there's discomfort people have to walk through to even get on the other side to be able to support climate action. And, and I think that maybe that's some of where this is, is you, you have to walk through that moment of, of feeling inherently bad, like we did this, I did this. Um, and not in a like disciplinary way, but just like acknowledging, okay, that's the reality of things. And now what? And and now let's bring all this ingenuity and innovation and, you know, look what we can do. We can create vaccines. We can send people to the moon and to the depths of the ocean. Look at what we can do. We can, we can come together. Uh, it's a I, beautiful window for that, to see all of that. Like, I just really think this moment in time like so many of us have said this has been so necessary, like despite all of the heartache and the loss and the struggle that has been through, has been in this moment, there's also been this, this shift in how we see one another, how we see ourselves, how we see, um, like you said, how we see ingenuity, how we see humanity and I, I really hope, and again, I'm kind of an inter, uh, eternal optimist in believing in humanity, but I, I just, I really think that when we get a little bit away from this and get to reflect at this time in history, that, that that's going to be what comes most out of this, this moment and actions like this. And uh, yeah, that's where I sit with all of it. <laughs> Right. Well, I'm with you. I think, um, I think we can do it. I mean, I, I do think we can do it. I think there's opportunity for dramatic moves. I mean, I was just, I haven't studied Biden's budget in detail, but carbon removal is in there. Um, regenerative agriculture, conservation through the forest service, along with, you know, carbon removal technologies, direct air capture, like, the Elon Musk, the 100 million carbon X prize, there's investment and policy that's moving and consumers are also now, you know, tomorrow's air is a vehicle for collective action for travelers and companies. I think we are entering a new era. I think we could be totally surprised. Um, also, I mean, there's gonna be more and more um, carbon removal suppliers, you know, right now we need to get to multi gigatons of capacity in terms of like gigatons. That's like, these numbers are so bananas, but we have less than one gigaton in terms of capacity right now for carbon removal um, through direct air capture. So that, um, that's, a, that's an incentive for innovators and inventors and it's just gonna it's like a a very um it's a frothy flowering you know it's all happening i think the next five years are just gonna be it's everything's gonna look different travel is gonna look totally different conferences i mean we're still gonna i shouldn't say that look totally different we're still gonna go places and we're gonna i hope that we stay longer when we go i hope we use more bicycles and trains and but it's it you know we're still going to fly sustainable aviation fuels are coming along i mean there's just things are um evolving in so many different dimensions um that it's exciting and so the you know what brought us to this point is like if you think about kind of the dark the dark before times over tourism and all you know we were really i remember looking at these 
horrible images of, you know, cruise ships dominating, you know, the, the, you maybe saw that picture that was the little canal in Venice. And then, and then the end of the street was just like bigger than the buildings of the city was this, you know, so there's all these things that coming into this felt like travel kind of had this, you know, ugly um, side that, and now everything is all about build back better and how can we do better? And whereas on the front end of this, it was sort of like pushing people to see how, you know, we were pushing the values of sustainable travel, like see how sustainable travel is good for you. See, see, see why this is bad. That was the case we were always making. We don't have to make that case anymore. Every, it's like the world has come to want the thing that's the right thing. Yeah, I love that idea of the community and that I feel like um, this is, I'll just paint this picture and, and then we'll, we'll see where we are. But I remember as I started in my um, career in travel, kind of being, feeling like I was the one at the back of the room was like, excuse me, sustainable travel here, please. Excuse me. And everyone was like, shh. <laughs> and then I like... How many people are going to show yeah. up? Yeah. I need. Millions. Yeah. And they're like, no, we're not doing a session on that. No, we don't need to speak about that. There's just a few of you that think that's so important. And then I remember the first time I went to the Adventure Travel Trade Association conference and I was like, okay, I'm one, I'm not crazy. <laughs> There's 700 other people yeah. here who agree. were all crazy. Um, and, right. and so that was really good. And yet still going to mainstream travel and feeling like mm, this, what is this? We're still not, it's still, like you said, like we, we just kept saying like this, 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 and with all of our hearts and with all of our souls. And it, it just, it still just wasn't heard. And then this moment has happened and everyone was like, remember that person at the back of the room that kept saying this, like, where are they? And, and everybody is now like kind of getting to stand up and everybody is listening and all of these beautiful humans who I have just like enjoyed seeing their journeys are getting this chance that I feel like we've been waiting for. And um, I, again, like that, that optimism just keeps rising. Like, that was where I was last March was like terror and then optimism just like flooded in. And that's kind of been the same. It just keeps happening. Like every time I feel a little bit squashed, it just comes right back up. Like I, that's where I, I guess I want to operate from. And I feel like it's more true now than it has ever been. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. It's, it's happening. The movement is afoot. Um, well, before we end this conversation, I, we didn't even get to talk about you as a traveler and any of your journey, which makes me a little bit sad. Um, but I feel like we shared so much um, that was really valuable. But one, I want to give you the opportunity to share how people who want to be more conscious travelers, who want to be more conscious in the industry can learn more, get involved with Tomorrow's Air. I want to make the space for that. And then also I want to just play with the rapid fire questions that will give people a moment to know you as a traveler um, aside from this conversation. So um, how can people learn more about Tomorrow's Air and getting involved with this movement? <laughs> Uh, so we're on Instagram, tomorrow's air at tomorrow's air underscore and tomorrow's air.com. We have a lot of information there. You can get involved by subscribing to one of our um, subscription packages that supports the education and inspiration that we're doing and, you know, removes carbon also. So it's putting your money where your mouth is. Um, also for just in general, you mentioned how to be a more conscious traveler. Adventure.travel is a great resource for travelers. We're publishing more and more. Um, and it's an outlet also for Adventure Travel Trade Association members who are the companies that promote and have built their businesses around these values. Uh, my you know, great tip for sustainable, being a sustainable traveler in general is stay longer. <laughs> Stay longer, stay as long as you can. Um, support credible carbon offsets, support tomorrow's air and carbon removal with permanent storage. 
the rapid fire questions, we'll, we'll move to those. Um, what is your favorite book or movie that offers you a travel escape or inspires you to adventure? Like I'm reading so many books right now. I'm reading Ministry for the Future, which is by Kim Stanley Robinson. And it is in a sense a travel escape because he's in the future of how we're, how we're, how we're managing climate in the future. And it's a little grim, but it's also full of potential and ideas and possibilities. Um, that is top of mind for me right now. What is always in your suitcase or backpack when you travel? Uh, this water bottle <laughs> is always in the suitcase or backpack and uh, a couple pairs of cheap sunglasses. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, what is your favorite destination? Cambodia has is emerged as a bit of a favorite. Uh, and I also had a sensational time in Greenland. They're very different places, but the, um, the people in both those spots really are accessible and interested and interesting. And I've just had um, really exceptional experiences in both those. I've been to Cambodia you know, a couple different times, most recently um, in 2019 to visit Natasha Martin, who's another travel industry um, stalwart. And yeah, I mean, the, the jungles and the river and the vibrant culture, it's just so fun. And I feel like even though, just to say this, like it's kind of the pace there is so different than here. It's like the streets are so crowded. It's got that whole like Asian insane thing going on, but it's gentle. There's a gentleness about in that crowd, which I find different from other um, other places in Asia. I've been like, it's exotic and foreign and challenging for a, you know, a girl who grew up in Alaska, but there's a softness about it that's very accessible and like um, feels easier, you know, than some other crowded cities like that. I, I love when destinations have that energy where it's kind of like the minute you, that you step into the airport, even you just, you, your whole body just goes, Oh, like what? This yeah. is different. It's just yeah. like so yeah. strong. <laughs> it's so, you know, when I got off the, like when you get off the plane in Copenhagen, it's so organized. Right. And like people are suited and like, and I felt a little bit like when I go there, I feel like, um, it's so stylish and I want to, I want to be part of it, but I don't like, it's a little bit polished and organized. And then, but when I get off the plane in Phnom Penh, it's like, it's a little bit, you know, rougher around the edges, but not, um, I don't know, like, yeah, exactly. Like I, and maybe it's because I've been flying for so many hours by the time you, <laughs> by the time I end up there, but there's a gentleness about, um, about Cambodia. Um, where do you still long to visit? You know, I've never been to Hawaii. I long to visit Hawaii, actually. I've never been to Baja in Mexico. I'm really, really interested in um, parts of Canada. I would love to go to New Brunswick. I would love to go to Newfoundland. Um, I, my, of course, this is pandemic thinking, right? <laughs> I, we're looking at what's adjacent to where we are here in the US. And there's so much, you know, you could just spend the rest of your life just, I could spend the rest of my life traveling around New Mexico and Colorado. That is like, so, but those are some places that, um, that have been on my radar certainly recently. Yeah. Um, what do you eat that immediately connects you to a place you've been? Noodles. I mean, I'm going to be talking more about Cambodia now, but you know, some of the, the noodle dishes that like the pho that, that you can get, um, that is instantly resonant of, of those street food. Um, what was the, or who was the person that inspired and encouraged you to set out and explore the world? My dad and my mom. Um, you know, my dad is a, a geologist with the USGS and used to, in Alaska, he'd spend his summers in the North Slope. My mother grew up in Vallejo, California, 
and, and took herself after nursing school when she was like 20 to Alaska. That was the placement she wanted to work. She worked at the Alaska Native Hospital in Sitka, Alaska. But both my um, parents were always like, go check, you should check that out. You should go, go check that out. And of course, once you once you're doing that, they're very nervous about you. <laughs> you didn't call for weeks. How are you doing? Um, <laughs> but that uh, our family is very open-minded in that way. Like see whatever you can see. Yeah. Um, and the last one is if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be? Probably my son, Jack. I'm planning around the world trip with my three daughters and I can't wait to like, I can't wait to unwrap the world with them. So I understand that sentiment. Um, well, I can't even begin to say thanks enough for having you join me for this conversation. And um, like I said, I've kind of just been such a super fan of you for so long and I'm inspired by your work and um and the way you show up in the space of travel. And I look forward to seeing the waves that you make in this space. And I'm super a champion of tomorrow's air and everything that, that you've been a part of. Well, back at you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love the, um, you know, I take a lot of inspiration from your show and, and your approach to bringing out all the, all the women that we admire in this category. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Soul of Travel. I hope you enjoyed the journey. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I'm so happy to connect with you. You can find more about the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourn community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here, you can find out more about Soul of Travel and my guests. You can also find the Lotus Sojourns I Guide for Women, as well as my current book, Sojourn, offering an opportunity to explore your heart, mind, and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey. You can find me on Facebook at Lotus Sojourns and join our community, the Lotus Sojourns Collective, or follow me on Instagram, either at Lotus Sojourns or Soul of Travel Podcast. Join the Lotus Sojourns mailing list. I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story.